Hear the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. He then said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, and he led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone except Jesus. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we remember this pivotal moment in the life of your son and in the life of the disciples, may it also be a pivotal moment for us. Let your word speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do, that we might be changed to be more like Christ. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. One of the things that I did this morning, and uh, it was kind of a last moment, I had already gotten dressed for church and everything, so I'm, you know, wearing my beautiful plastic collar here. um, But one of the things my wife loves is hash browns, and especially from a pancake house that's, like, really close to where we live. And so a couple times a month, I try to swing in there, grab her some hash browns, and go take them to her. And I thought this morning would be nice. So I left a little early, swang in, and as I walk in, the server who is always there. We know her. We love her. She's great. She sees me from across the restaurant, and she mouths, hash browns? I'm like, yep, hash browns. Um, When I come in alone, that's what she knows is happening. And so she puts the order in, and she walks up to me, and she looks at me, and she goes, so what are you doing today? (laughs) And and I really want to, I'm going to go play soccer. What do you... (laughs) I, I said, I'm going to go lead a church service and then watch the Super Bowl. And she goes, oh, good, okay. And I'm like, it was very bizarre. I thought, Did you? but there was this slight bit of, I don't know, discomfort when she walked up. Um, she's never seen me in a collar before. Um, and you could just see it like this, like not totally sure what to say, um, what to do. And, and I thought, eh, that's, that's good. Um, fear. Even, even small fear can have it, an impact on us. Like what we would say or do in a situation, even small little things. And in fear, so at the height of her career, Ann Landers, most of you all know who that is, she was receiving upwards of 10,000 letters a day to get advice. Do you imagine that? And she said, the number one issue by far was fear. 
People were afraid of whether it was health or relationships or vocations or just so much fear. And this morning, that is the primary topic, fear. And what we're going to see as we walk through this passage is a number of reasons why we might have fear, but also one reason why we don't have to have fear. So I invite you to open up the Pew Bible to Mark chapter 9. We're on page 1438. We're going to talk about a number of reasons why we might be afraid. Mark chapter 9. We're actually going to start in chapter 8, but it's still page 1438. Um, One thing about the Gospels is they are a story from front to back. And and they mean to flow. It's very hard to read just one story without recognizing that other things impact it. Um, That's especially true this morning. So we're going to start in Mark 8... Verse 31, page 1438. Here's the first thing that can give us fear. Things can be scary because they don't always go the way we anticipate. Even God sometimes does things we don't anticipate. They're unexpected. Verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Which is a crazy response. Um, Have you ever considered rebuking the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, What a weird thing to do. And yet, they've been following this guy thinking he's Messiah, And he's going to kick the Romans out and reestablish the Jewish kingdom. And so here he is telling them he's going to suffer. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be killed. That freaks Peter out. And so he, this is very, no, this doesn't make sense. This can't happen. And so Peter goes, no way. Takes him aside. At least he took him aside. Jesus, you can't do that. Um, You're wrong, which is what rebuking is. Lord, you're wrong. Which, by the way, we may not say that out loud very often, but how many times do our actions say that? Lord, you're wrong. So one reason to have fear, things that are unexpected in our lives, things we can't really control, when God seems to do something we don't expect in our lives. Number two, um, we're going to jump to verse 34. After he rebukes Peter... He then says this. He calls the crowds to him. There's something he needs to say. He's saying it definitely to Peter because of that response and to the other disciples. But he wants everybody to hear this, both then and now. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And I just want to stop right there. Another reason to have fear, to be scared at times. If you want to take the Christian faith seriously, yes, you are loved by God. 
Yes, there is grace and there is mercy and there is forgiveness and there is eternity and there is joy and peace and all of these amazing, incredible things. But there is also a call by Jesus to deny ourselves. The very foundation of serving him is to be like him, to deny myself, to say no to me, no matter what God calls me to, so that I can serve him. And if you take that seriously, it can be scary. Thomas Akempis said it like this. Jesus today has many who love his heavenly kingdom, but few who can want to carry his cross. Many who yearn for comfort, few for distress. Plenty of people he finds to share his banquet, few to share his fast. Everyone desires to take his part in rejoicing. Few are willing to suffer anything for his sake. If you want to take the Christian life seriously, there are reasons to be scared. You are called, I am called, to deny myself, to follow Christ first, not me first, his kingdom, not mine. That can be scary. And lastly, and this brings us into our passage. Go to chapter 9 again. In the transfiguration, they see him glowing. They see Moses and Elijah. And, and it is a moment that we'll talk about in a few moments about what God is doing. And yet, look at Peter's response. Verse 5, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. He should have stopped right there. <laughs> that is true. It is good for you to be here. Let us put up three shelters for the glowing figures that are next to the glowing figure. Um, people that somehow they seem to know are Moses and Elijah. Um, earlier, if you were here at the very beginning, there was a picture of the Church of the Transfiguration in Jerusalem. And the picture has Jesus and then Moses and Elijah. And Moses is actually carrying the law, so you can see it. And probably in this scene even, there is some representation of the law and the prophets being with Christ. Somehow Peter knows all of this. And all he can think in this moment is maybe this is kind of like the Feast of Booths in the Old Testament. And like let's make some shelters and, and let's give you guys a place to like lay down or rest or, or something. He says that, and then in parenthetical comment, Mark says he did not know what to say because he's so frightened. Sometimes the fear is because we're just going through something we don't get, something that's overwhelming. It, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what's happening here. And so then we're afraid, and, and, and reasonably so. I, I want to make this point about fear. There are truly things to fear. We need to accept that. I am not up here to tell you there's just nothing to fear as long as you follow Jesus. There really are things to fear. However, a number of years ago, when my two boys were four and six, during Halloween, we bought them a whole bunch of plastic black spiders. It was a very dumb move because they were all over the house for like months after that. But we bought them like 50 little black spiders. 
And one day, I'm in one of their rooms, I don't remember which one, and I'm cleaning the room, and I'm vacuuming. And I decided, because they're boys, I probably should move the dresser, because it's very likely there is just tons of stuff there. So I scoot the dresser away, and sure enough, especially like right along the baseboards, there's just junk. And I looked down, and I flipped out. There were like four or five large spiders right there. And I am screaming like a little girl until I go, oh, they're plastic. <laughs> I was so unexpecting that, so I bend down, and I go to grab them, and one of them starts moving. <laughs> It was not plastic. <laughs> the rest of them were. I think maybe it thought it could camouflage itself or something. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, I jumped. I just flipped out. Here's this real thing amidst the rest. Um, but I, I tell you that story because 80% of what was there wasn't real. 20% was. It really was a spider. The rest was not. I was scared of all of it until I figured out some of it wasn't real. And, and studies, in 2016, the National Institute of Health did a study on fear, and this, this is what they found. Percentage of things feared that are actually insignificant to you, 90%. That 90% of the things that people feared, even if they happened, wouldn't really impact you that badly. Here's another percentage. Percentage of things in relation to health that never actually happen, 88%. That 88% of the things people were afraid of in their health didn't actually happen. And then here's the overriding one. Percentage of things feared that just don't take place at all. 60% of the things people were afraid of just didn't even actually happen. Here's the thing about fear. It is real. But we need to fear the right things and know how to overcome those things. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And why is it so important? I would argue it's important because of what fear does to us. Um, two things in this text that are really significant, and they apply to us. Go back to verse 1. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they say the kingdom of God has come with power. Why is he doing this? And I would argue because of what just happened. So he has just told them, I'm going to die. They have all freaked out. And, and rightfully so in a way because they really don't understand. Messiah is not supposed to die. Messiah is supposed to conquer and bring in the kingdom. So they're freaked out. And then he turns to them and he doesn't say, oh, no, 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 no. Let me explain. No, instead he turns to them and says, and you need to take up your cross also. Those are scary things. Verse 1 is meant to be encouragement. But let me show you, some of you standing right here, you're going to see the kingdom come in power. Why? So you'll understand its reality. It is real. What I'm telling you and what I'm teaching you, it is real. You do not have to fear some of the things you fear because the kingdom of God has come in power. And you're going to see it. And then he goes on in verse 2. After six days, he takes Peter, James, and John with him. He leads them up the mountain. And when they're all alone, he's transfigured. They see it. They see the power of the kingdom. 
And Jesus has said, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And here comes Moses and Elijah. They are still there. He said, this is the kingdom. Can you see this? Do you understand this? And all Peter can think about is, let me build some booths for you. He's missing what God is doing. He's missing the encouragement that is supposed to be there because of the fear. And that is what fear can do. Fear can cause us to miss what God is doing. When we get so afraid of whatever it is, the loss of the job, the the, the diagnosis that we got, the relationship, that conversation that you are so dreading having, you're so afraid of it that you keep repeating in your head over and over again what you're going to say, you just don't want to have it. And yet in the midst of all of that fear, we're so focused on that, we have the opportunity to miss what God is trying to do in it. Fear can cause us to miss what God is doing because we're so focused on the fear. And number two, and we've kind of already talked about this, so I'll just spend a moment. Peter's response, this is the kind of thing that happens when we're afraid. We say and we do dumb things. You ever had that happen? I mean, you're you're so afraid that you just like blurt something out. And then in hindsight, you're going, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I make that action like that? That was so dumb. Because fear makes us dumb. We don't want that. Remember last week? I told you, don't be dumb. That was one one of my points last week. It applies to this too. One of the big issues with fear, we can miss what God is doing, and it makes us dumb. I read this story, and I I researched it a lot because I wanted to know if it was real. I think it's real. I don't really like telling stories that aren't, unless I tell you up front they're not. Um, But this seemed to have actually happened, Um, and it gives you like a real picture of how badly fear can mess us up. 1947, a man named Vladimir Zinnerzhikov, I can't say Russian last names, Um, he was an accounting clerk in Russia, and he had returned home after a night of drinking. He discovered that he had misplaced 400 ration cards. They belonged to his boss. Ration cards in post-war Russia were really, really important, and it freaked him out. Freaked his wife out. She ended up saying to him, you just need to hide and I'm going to tell everybody. You ran off with another woman until we can free this out. Because if they catch you, we have no idea. I mean, prison, death, we don't know. So we're just going to tell them you ran off and we'll figure it out. Well, they couldn't figure it out. He spent 22 years living in isolation in his house. Never going out. His wife just getting food and stuff and bringing it in. Just never leaving for 22. And then she died. And when she passed away in 1969, he could no longer support himself because he couldn't leave the house. He decided, I've got to turn myself in. So he went and he turned himself in and discovered that they found the ration cards within a week in his desk from when he disappeared. 22 years he lived in that house out of nothing but fear. And in this case, fear of something that wasn't even real. 
We cannot let fear control us. So what do we do? Go back into your text. We are told by the Lord what to do. Verse 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. And here it is. Listen to him. And I mean it. Listen to him. Don't, don't just hear the words and go, oh, those are, those are nice, nice things. Don't just hear the words and talk about them a lot. Listen to him. Let his words enter your heart, enter your soul, enter your thoughts. Let his words, his teaching, his life be the way you approach life and circumstances and fear and things you don't understand, and the unexpected, and all of this stuff. Listen to him. Let me give you a few of his words. And I just want you to imagine that, that you didn't just say these things. You didn't just know they were there. But they were in you. They were the things that came to your mind and your heart in the midst of the fear. Jesus says, I am with you always. There's never a point I'm not. I'm always with you. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Not the peace of the world. I'm giving you mine. I had so much peace that while they were nailing me to a cross, I was able to look out and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the peace he wants to give you. Take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. Whatever the burdens are, whatever you're underneath, whatever you struggle with, whatever you feel like it's only me, i got to do all of this. He says, take my rest. Take my yoke. Follow my word and you will know the truth, and it will set you free. Take my word and do it. Because when you do that, you will actually know what the truth is, and you will find freedom in it. Listen to him. That is the message. It is the one thing we know we have. There's more in Scripture you can read through, but right now in that moment... The transfiguration with all of their fear, with everything they have to do. I mean, this is when they're going to Jerusalem and they are going to see him suffer. They're going to run away. They're going to feel like the whole world has crumbled and fallen apart. And in those moments, God says to them, listen to him. He will get you through this. This is not true, okay? <laughs> Just to be upfront. A man who suffered greatly from an anxiety of monsters under his bed saw a psychiatrist to help him. And he saw him over and over for many weeks, and nothing helped this poor guy get over his fear of monsters under his bed. Eventually, he decided he had to see a different man. He had to figure out some way how to do this because he wasn't sleeping. Well, one trip to a different guy, and he was cured. 
So he goes back to his other psychiatrist, and he says, I am cured. And the man's like, that can't be. And he goes, really, I am. The guy goes, there's no way. What could this guy have possibly have told you that could have fixed the problem of monsters under your bed? He told me to cut the legs off my bed. <laughs> cut the legs off of fear. Listen to Christ. It is the most powerful thing we have, especially if the kingdom of God is real. Especially if the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Especially if God is working. Listening to him is the most powerful thing we have. And he can cut the legs off of fear. And I just leave this with you, and I'm going to do a little bit of symbolic interpretation here. Um, go to verse 8. This is where the, this part of the passage ends. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone except Jesus. Um, in the passage, they have to go back to life. They can't just stay there. Um, if you had a mountaintop experience, maybe it was a, a retreat you went on or something where God just powerfully worked and you did not want to leave that moment. But you have to. You have to come off the mountain. You have to go back into life. They have to too. And they have to take this, listen to him, and let it be strength as they move into the world again. But I think it's interesting. The way he writes this, anyone except Jesus. This is the thing I can guarantee you. In the end, his words will be the only thing that stands. You can trust them now, or you can learn that then. Our fears, all of the things, our justifications, our excuses, our rationales, everything that we do, none of it is going to stand in the end. His word is. It'll be the one thing left. Can we trust it now? Can it be the thing we listen to now? Because here's the thing, there's so many voices. There's so many things talking to us. There's stuff outward and inward. All of it trying to guide us, lead us, tell us things, get us to go this direction or that direction. What voice will we listen to? I'll end by telling you. I, back when I was in Texas, I was driving down a street, and there's a particular area in North Texas in McKinney where it's hilly. There's not a lot of hills there, but there's this one area where it's hilly. And so there's this large street. It's three lanes on both sides. And as you're going down it, it's doing up and down on these hills. And I come up over the hill, and I get to the top. And I'm glad I was paying attention because there is a guy jogging, and he is jogging in the middle of the fast lane against traffic up the hill. And I thought, oh my gosh, are you a moron? That's dumb. I just put that in there. I thought, especially with the hill, like, what are you doing? Um, and, and I thought about this guy for a while. I actually used him as a sermon illustration back when I saw it and everything, because it was so weird to see this. Um, but something struck me as I was thinking about this guy. And I had a theory about why he was doing what he was doing. So I have a set of headphones that go over my ears. Not just like the iPods, but they cover my ears. And when that is on and music is on, I cannot really hear much else. 
People can be talking to me and it just looks like they're kind of doing this. You know, I can't understand. So I have to take them off to hear anything. This guy was running with giant headphones. And I thought, I wonder if he's doing this just so he can see the cars. Because, like, he can't hear anything. If he's got all this music going on, all he's hearing is what's in those headphones. Everything else is a blur. And I thought, I wonder if he's doing this just to, like, be able to see things. It's still dumb. Um, But it was my best theory. And I thought, he's only hearing that music. Put on God headphones. That's all I can tell you. Let the words of Jesus be so overpowering in your life that nothing else compares so that that can lead you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your incredible love for us, for your encouragement, for this passage and the way that it shows us the reality of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, and the power of the words of Jesus. Lord, help every one of us to listen to him, to let that be the main voice in our life, that we might find victory in fear. We ask this in his holy name. Amen.